Christ's name. Amen. Those ages 4 to 7, dismissed to join the church. matter of thought I'll get your thinking on our uh, missionary conference our month is coming up and it will start on Labor Day weekend the speaker we'd like to have speak can't be here he has to be in two places at once if he's going to be here and we have a way of doing that so what I'm asking you is how many of you will feel comfortable with a video speaker who sends a video for us to hear him. How many? Okay. Uh, I think that's what we're going to do. We have Brian King, who is our North Eastern representative. He's the one who leads that group. He's willing to be here and wanted to be here in person. And he tried to change another engagement and he could not. So he would be glad to start us off as the first speaker by doing it in with a video so we're going to try that and see what happens and you can let me know afterwards what you thought okay that's a it's nice to try new things you know just to see what happens and if y'all you know boo it the next week we will never do it again but well yes that's true we may not want to say never but He's a good speaker. We'll appreciate him speaking then. We're in 1 Peter chapter 4, and we're starting with verse 12. The chapter started with a statement, uh, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. Um, then the second section began with the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind. Uh, love one another deeply. Offer hospitality without grumbling. And it goes on. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. So today we're going on with some of that theme. We start, first of all, with surprise. I, as I looked at the scripture, I think the word surprise was the operative word. Um, basically, dear friends, don't be surprised. If you are, don't be. And as we think of that, uh, this surprise is one of sort of shock. Uh, maybe even a little dismay. Things were going on that they didn't expect, perhaps. Keep in mind that the early church didn't have it easy. Meeting like this and going back out could create major problems, and they usually met in homes. And there would be large groups of believers in communities where what happened to them was they were constantly persecuted. Some oftentimes physically persecuted, many times even put in jail or punished for what they did. 
And if you remember the reading, that's what happened to Peter early on, along with the rest of the apostles. They got arrested and put in prison. Now, God can always overrule anything. And in that passage, he overruled their incarceration. And he did it by opening up the prison with an angel. And the angel had to wake him up and tell him, get out of here. I have things for you to do. We want you to go preach in the temple court. So in the morning, that's where they were. Imagine the shock and surprise by the Pharisees, not to mention the apostles at that point, being out of prison already and preaching and them not finding them there. Pharisees, the guard, they didn't find them in, the, in that prison. So it was somebody else who told them, hey, those ones you arrested, they're out preaching again. That had to be a surprise. Now, we look here, the surprise is the opposite side. Don't be surprised with the fiery ordeals that come upon you. It says, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. So we may not feel that fiery ordeal yet here. Um, I'm sure some of you have gone out and witnessed to people. And when you share with people uh, off the cuff, even in an airport or in a hospital setting or wherever, I don't think I'm turned on. I'm turned on now. You didn't even wave your hands at me to tell me to do it. Okay, I move around, so I have to have it on. Because you won't, well, you probably still wouldn't hear me. But anyway, the idea here is, is that many times you're not accepted very well for your sharing of the scriptures, for your sharing of Jesus Christ. Because people get mad at you. People don't want to hear. I had someone in a, in a uh, x-ray room who had gone in for um, MRI and he had cancer and it was terminal. And I tried to share Christ with him and he said, I don't want to hear that. And he got mad at me. So I didn't continue on. I didn't want to create an irate person. I just wanted to offer him a solution. The one solution would give him life forever. And he didn't want to hear it. People will react poorly. Sometimes you'll be persecuted for it. You can get persecuted in a job setting where you've shared Christ and now suddenly it's an issue and you can even get fired for it. At least they'll try. There can be situations you're in, whether it's in a school as children or as teachers or in other settings in the world, that they will not like it. But it wasn't as bad as this. Your life was not on the line in most of those places. There are sometimes those situations, and I can remember reading about different ones who went into cities, inner cities, to start something, and ended up with a lot of physical things happening to them. So you can end up in a fiery ordeal like this. The idea of the fiery ordeal is kind of like your feet are put to the fire. Back in those days, oftentimes, if they burned somebody at the stake, they would start the fire, but they would get it started and then just let it burn quietly at the bottom of your feet. And it would burn your feet and cauterize them and then burn your legs and cauterize them and you stayed alive. 
for a long time because you weren't breathing in smoke or anything. And that's sort of the idea of a fiery ordeal is that your feet have been held to the fire. Now how are you going to hold up? Now, most of these people weren't going through that, but they were being uh, tried. They were being taken into to prison. Things were happening to them that we haven't gone through yet. And maybe someday we'll, we will. But if you do, don't be surprised that you go through a fiery deal. It's not something strange that happened to you. In fact, there was a purpose to it. He says that come on you to test you. Don't be surprised. If you go through a tough time because of your faith and it seems heavy pressure because it didn't come on by mistake. There's a purpose to it. God is working. He's trying you. He's working on you. He has a purpose to it and it's worth going through for him. Otherwise, it wouldn't be worth it. If you have no understanding of what he's done for you, it would not be worth it. Here, he's saying, I'm doing this. Don't be surprised. It's not strange. I'm testing you. It's purpose. There's value to it. Instead, he says, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. So here, he talks about that. You instead rejoice. Why? You suffered with Christ. Christ suffered for you. Died on a cross. Shed his blood for your sin and rose again that you might have life. The pattern is, is that if you go through that, rejoice because you've suffered with him. You've participated by suffering. You have suffered. You, at the end, will be overjoyed when Christ's glory is revealed. All will see him as he is. He is God. One day, when after you go through this life, no matter what suffering you go through for the cause of Christ, when you stand in heaven, you'll be very excited to see the glory Christ gets as you live for him, as you suffer with him. You'll be very excited. Do we enjoy suffering? How many of you are looking for it? Suffering. Anybody? Nobody. Well, don't be surprised. If it comes, and if it does, rejoice if you're suffering for the cause of Christ. You want to focus on who you're living for. I titled this message, Be a Participant, and in a little while you'll see that word come up. But the idea here is you want to respond with Christ as he would go through a, a situation as you go through them. Sometimes uh, Christ talked about the fact that his coming would cause what kind of problems with family life? Anybody remember those words? Children would, what's that? Turn against. Turn against their parents. Parents against their children. Friends against each other. It goes on and on in the passage and the ideas. Christ can create the kind of turmoil that causes people to not be happy with each other. 
And that can create all kinds of difficulty. And he's reminding you that who is the most important family you have? Well, the family where Christ is the head. And you're the body. In many ways, our church family should become as important or more important than our real family is. Because they all love the Lord. Now, if you're like uh, Anita growing up, uh, most of her family knew the Lord. As far as I know, everybody in your family knows the Lord. Um, as we get into some of the grandchildren and stuff, we're not so sure. And, and we haven't heard that some of them know the Lord yet, even in, in my own family, my own grandchildren. They're still working on it. The Lord's going to work in them. I pray for them all the time. The Lord's going to work. If you have the kind of family where everybody knows the Lord, that makes it easier. If you don't, that makes it more difficult. Because living for the Lord in those situations is more difficult. But he wants you to live for him. He wants you to bring glory to him. So as he goes on, he says, so one day you'll get there and you'll see the glory it gets and you'll be overjoyed. It'll be exciting. So if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. I like that statement. If you go through a situation where you get insulted for your faith in Jesus Christ, for being a Christian, you're blessed. That's not the normal way we think, is it? If we go through some difficulty, we think, oh, why is that happening? Isn't God supposed to keep us safe from those things? Isn't he supposed to change those things? Well, no, sometimes knowing him creates those situations because you live differently. Um, back in uh, verse 4, it says, uh, his friends, they are surprised that you do not join them in the reckless, wild living and they heap abuse on you. So friends you used to have may be the unkind people now because of your faith. Because you won't do the same things you used to do. Because your life has changed. He says, if you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. And God's spirit rests upon you. You're empowered. He gives peace and, and ability to go through those situations and comfort as we saw in 2 Corinthians this morning. He's the God of all comfort. So he can give you comfort as you go through those situations. It doesn't mean you don't go through them. But he will be a part of your life as you go through them. He doesn't leave you or depart. You are blessed. So verse 4 comes along and says, if you, I'm on verse 14. I've got it numbered. Oh no, I know what I did. I didn't put the verses down. Sorry about that. I have numbered according to my, what part I'm on, you know, instead of the verse. So he goes on in verse 15 and says, If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even a meddler. Now, this is interesting because he kind of gives you a broad range and I think he intends for your range to be even broader. To recognize that if you, if you suffer because you've sinned, because you've acted even like the world, and you've sinned, 
then it's not the same situation. If you're suffering for those things, those things you should suffer for. But if you're suffering for something that you've done for Christ, that's different. Um, I don't know that there's any murderers in here. If they are, they're closet murderers because they haven't told anybody. Maybe some of us have thieved in the past. Maybe some of us still thieve. Don't want to suffer for those kind of things because those aren't things that bring glory to the Lord or any other kind of criminal activity. It doesn't bring glory to God. So he says, if those are the ones that you're involved in, you're suffering because you deserve to suffer. What about being a meddler? Well, here the meddler especially is responding to being a busybody, getting involved in other people's matters, often evil people's matters. Sometimes you get involved and caught up in what other people are doing and it's, and it's not right. And you know it isn't right, but you're involved. Or sometimes you just get your nose into other people's stuff. You're a busybody. He says, if you're suffering for that, you're probably getting what you deserve too. He says, don't, that's not the reason he wants you to suffer. He says, if you suffer for these things, then you probably deserve what you get. But suffer as a Christian, not ashamed, praising God that you bear his name. So if you're going to suffer, don't do it for wrong things. Don't have that reputation. Do it because you are called a Christian and you suffer because you're a Christian. All of us may have stories that fit that, where we suffered because we were a Christian. If you think through those things, those are the things that God says you should rejoice in. It's worth suffering for Jesus Christ. There are a lot of things that aren't worth suffering for. But suffering for Jesus Christ as a Christian to, to do that, praising God that you bear his name. There was another passage I had written down um, in Acts. I don't know whether I'll be able to find it right offhand, but it was, uh, I think it was 20. I'll find it here in a second. But it was Paul, and he had ended up in prison with Silas. Anybody know right where that is? So I don't, I don't know why I didn't write it down. I have three sets of notes, by the way. And I only have one here, so the other two probably have it written down. Anyway, I can tell you the basic idea. If I could find it, I could read it. Paul arrested, uh, the whole city came. That's 21, 20, 27? That's where he gets arrested. Um, barracks, they're put in barracks, but that's not the one where they're singing. Anyway, there's a passage, I should have been able to find it, and I did not, where he has been arrested with six. 
16. There we go. can always depend on Greg to find it. Yes. So verse 22 of chapter 16 says, The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are here. Now if you go on you find out that what happens is they come to know, his family comes to know the Lord and others come to know the Lord and uh, good things happened as a result of their suffering. And here, it's because he was a Christian. Because he was sharing that message. Keep in mind, the Jews kept sending people after him to each city to cause trouble for him. And he kept going from one city to another, spreading the gospel. Because when it comes right down to it, all of Scripture has a purpose to tell you about Jesus Christ. To tell you that you're a sinner in need of Him and that there's no way around that. If you're going to suffer, do it as a Christian and praise God that you bear His name. Praise God that you bear His name. Verse 17 says, It is time, for it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, and I want to stop there for just a second, it's time for judgment for the family of God. Judgment begins with us, the saved by Christ's work. We're not saved by something we did. We're saved because of what Christ did. We're not righteous because we lived righteously. You're righteous because of the righteousness of Christ. Everything you have as a Christian revolves around what Jesus Christ did for you. And he wants you prepared to be what he wants you to be. To be ready to stand to be ready to preach the gospel of Christ, to tell others. And he wants us reminded that there will come a moment when he will make a judgment. The end will come. And it will be time for us to be judged. When that happens, we want our works to be works that were done for Jesus Christ. We want to have suffered for the cause of Christ. Here when he says it, he's telling them, you want to be actively involved. You want to participate in Christ's suffering. You want to be out there telling others about Christ, no matter what the cost is. 
Because you're his child. You have life with Christ that began now and is eternal. And it only gets better. Okay, for a little while here, it doesn't necessarily. Maybe we suffer while we're here. But when we get the glory, the best is yet to come. So, to be prepared to live for God. And he says, be prepared, be ready, praise him as did Peter. Remember at the end of that passage I read, they went out rejoicing that they could suffer for the cause of Christ. Rejoicings because they suffered for the cause of Christ. I wonder how many of us, if we'd started telling a lot of people about Jesus Christ and a bunch of them came and beat us up and left us on the road, would get up and walk away rejoicing that we suffered for the cause of Christ. Peter did that. Paul did that. Others in the scripture did that. And since them, others have done that. Are you prepared? His comment earlier was that you participate, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. As a family of God, we need to participate. It's what God expects from us. It's what he anticipates as you are his children that you will get involved and participate in the work of Christ. In the work of this church if you're members here and attend here. He wants you to participate, to be identified, to speak out, to be known for being a Christian. You can be known as a nice guy if you want. Just be a nice guy. But he doesn't want just a nice guy. He wants people who stand for Jesus Christ. And goes beyond that. It may be that at that point, they won't think you're such a nice guy anymore. That's okay. Rejoice in that situation that you've stepped out and have suffered for Christ. Be a participant. That's what he wants. So then at the end of that verse that I read, he says, for it's time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? That question brings up a whole nother message about salvation. If you don't know Christ, what are we waiting for? Because if judgment will come to us in regard to our salvation and our work for Christ, what's going to happen to those who do not know Christ? If you have the righteousness of Christ and come before him, what are you going to claim? You're not going to claim that you're a nice guy or girl or that you did all the right things because how much of it will hold up in his court? You all can answer that. 
Nothing. That's right. None of that will hold up. What you're going to claim is Christ's death and shed blood on the cross and his righteousness in your place so that you can stand before him and you'll pass judgment. You'll be, you'll be okayed. You'll be declared not guilty. How do you like that? You're guilty, but you'll be declared not guilty. But that's also the message to the unsaved. What are you waiting for? Because you're going to have to meet the same God. And you're going to stand before him. And you'll have nothing to give an account for yourself with. And all the things that we would have used, they'll try to use, but they won't add up to righteousness. They'll be sinners and ungodly. And they won't stand. And they won't be able to stand. So if it's hard for you, what will it be like for the ungodly and the sinner? That's why we need to be actively proclaiming the word of God. They have no hope but what you offer. That's all they have. They need it to be offered to them. They can refuse it. And many will. But there are those who will receive it. And they'll be saved from the wrath of God. You've already arrived if you know the Lord. But if you haven't, you don't and have not arrived. And you will suffer the fate of eternal absence from God. God has put anything good into this world. Anything that's good comes from God. We get to glory, all of sin will be gone. But everybody else will go where they have none of that goodness. To the lake of fire. You have the message that saves them. And so he's saying, are you going to be a participant? Will you be involved in your church's ministry? to spread the gospel to others. There are lots of parts to the ministry. Remember, we've read some of those scriptures where there's lots of parts to the body. You need to be playing your part. You need to be your part of the body. We can't keep saying no and expect the church of God to get the message out there. So then... Those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. So those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator. You see, we do all of this. We take the chance, even those of us who struggle with it, and we share Christ. Why? Why share? Because it's your message to share. That's what he's given you to do. If you read every one of these passages I shared today, and even this one, it all ends with sharing the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Christ unto salvation. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There are none righteous, not even one. It's the work of Christ that gives us that opportunity. Christ 
died while we were yet sinners. It's his love for us. He opened the door. We have that message. And it needs to be spread to others. You might suffer for spreading it. Some people may not like you very well anymore. But it needs to be out there because that's how God works. So he says you should do this by committing yourselves to the faithful creator. Who can you trust to work when you put yourself out there to share? Who can you trust to work when you get in a pulpit to preach? I'm not trusting me to do anything except deliver the message. It's God's work to change you. That's not my job. But God's calling for you to participate, to be a part of what's going on. And you do it by committing yourselves to a faithful creator. Continue to do the things of God, to do good. And this passage ends with that idea. The participants, the ones who love the Lord and should be participants, participate. Get involved. Allow God to work in your life and use you in this church and as an extension of this church. For those who don't know Christ, what are you waiting for? He's offered a perfect opportunity to know him. And all you have to do is receive his son as your savior. He paid the price. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that he came, died on a cross for our sin. He was buried and rose on the third day. His proof that he was God was that he left that tomb alive after having been dead. That's the message. He did that for us. Can I have a word of prayer and then we'll sing one more song. Most gracious Father, we're grateful for your love, grateful for your word, grateful for the challenge you give us to participate in the sufferings of Christ, no matter what it costs us to live for you, to live as a Christian. Help us, Lord, to participate, to be what you want us to be, to follow according to your scriptures, to trust you as our faithful creator and God and do those things that you've asked of us because you will work if we're faithful to you because you are a faithful God so help us Lord as we think through these things to allow your spirit to work in our heart that we might live for you and be ready to tell others about Christ, to be ready to serve, to be ready to do those things that would bring glory to you. And we'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, we're in 621. Hymn number 621. We can stand. 
We're going to sing the first and the fourth verses of 621. First and fourth. Who is on the Lord's side? Who will serve the King? Who will be His helpers? Other lives to bring. Who will leave the world's side? Who will face the foe? Who is on the Lord's side? Who for Him? will go by the call of mercy by thy grace divine we are on the Lord's side Savior we are thine fierce may be the conflict strong may be the foe but king's own army none can overthrow round this standard raging victory is secure for his truth unchanging makes the triumph sure joyfully enlisting by thy grace divine, we are on the Lord's side, Savior, we are thine. Gracious Father, thank you for this time. We pray that you'll just really work in our hearts and lives as we leave. Help us to be your servants, your children, to not be ashamed, to wear the name of Christian, with strength and honor, might we bring great glory to you. We'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen. You are dismissed. Have a big voice. <laughs>